You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Back to the show. Back to Jack and Dreen Canelli as your hosts. And we're happy to have you on this second half hour of Real Presence Live on this uh, Tuesday, July 25th. And uh, we're talking with Camille Pauly. And Camille is with... uh, well, Camille, I think I'm going to let you introduce yourself. How is that? <laughs> That's fine. I, the dramatic I, pause. I could, go down my, I could go down my notes here, but that would take care of the first half of our entire discussion today. So. <laughs> I could keep it a but, lot more brief than that. <laughs> where, are you, where are you calling from? Well, right now I happen to be in Spokane, Washington, where a lot of our friends and supporters are, and I'm just visiting right now. But... Um, but I live in Rapid City, South Dakota. Oh, and not far I call at all. it my home now. No, not far. I've been there for two years. I was a refugee from Seattle two years ago. And uh, we've built a home, so now we can officially call ourselves South Dakotans. Okay, wow. and, and I'm sure you're a regular <laughs> listener to uh, Real Presence Radio there in Rapid Indeed, City. Indeed, we are. I've got a lot of friends <laughs> in Real Presence. and very grateful for the station. And for you, Jack and Doreen. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I bet you're bracing yourselves for the motorcyclists. <laughs> that are about uh, to yeah, arrive. I kind of got I kind of gotten used to it, and they're all mm-hmm. extra polite because they like being there. So, oh, nice. um, yeah, we we kind of enjoy it, but we're glad when it's gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they probably just finished up the Corvette rally in Spearfish. I bet. Oh, I don't know they, about they that. Look, I've been gone. So, th- yeah, I'll be yeah. back just in time for the motorcycle rally. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. let's well let's talk about uh, what sure. we brought you on the the air for. Sure. So I run healing the culture. Because our culture needs a lot of healing. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were founded uh, twenty. We're celebrating our twenty-year anniversary now, and we were founded by Father Robert Spitzer, uh, who a lot of your listeners know mm-hmm. from Spitzer's Universe on EWTN and uh, other programs he's done. And uh, I've been working with him for thirty years on this pro-life project. And the the organization is pro-life. It's what we do. It's what we focus on. But we use Father Spitzer's four levels of happiness, which some of your viewers will, or listeners will be familiar with, and his 10 universal principles of logic, ethics, and justice to really explain to people more deeply why we are pro-life. And it, it affects a lot more conversions for people who need more to understand, people who don't work through the emotions or life experiences but want understanding or knowledge or want things to make sense. And so those are the people we appeal to. So we create curricula for high schools, colleges, universities, um, parishes, churches, secular organizations, and, um, and families. So they can really deeply evangelize using faith and reason. I would imagine with Father Spitzer that that would be one of your hallmarks with <laughs> reason. Yep. Uh, uh, he, you know, he certainly, that's uh, just a big part of, you know, his message, I think. How did the two? How did the two of you connect? And um, what's the kind of the history of how this came to be? Well, the short story was back in 1993, um, the year after Bill Clinton had won the elections, and everyone was scratching their heads, wondering, you know, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Father Spitzer was uh, kind of a brand newer to newcomer to Seattle, and I was as well. I was looking for a job in pro life and got hired by the State Right to Life office. Father Spitzer was looking for a way to to be useful in the pro-life movement, and he got on the board 
of Human Life of Washington, the uh, Washington State Chapter of National Right to Life. They hired me, and he at that time was convincing them that we need a more philosophical approach to why we are pro-life. Nobody in the pro-life movement is doing the philosophical work of changing the fundamental mistaken you know, myths that people are holding in their hearts about what happiness is and what freedom means and what success is, what a high quality of life is all about. And we need to do that work because all those words, when they are poorly defined, lead directly to abortion and euthanasia and a bunch of other social evils. And so they hired me when he was, you know, looking for somebody to, to you know, develop this program with, and we got thrown together by that board who had just real vision um, and real leadership in that. And uh, the rest is kind of history. I worked with him on his first book called Healing the Culture, and that's how we got our name as an organization. Does the Healing the Culture program have, like, um, tangible materials that they can, that they share with, you know, organizations or parishes or dioceses? We do. We have tangible and intangible materials. So all we do is create resources for people to use um, that help them easily evangelize the particular target group that they want to reach um, in helping them become pro-life. So we've created tools that work not just in a faith space, but also in a secular space as well. Um, We have programs for kindergarten through third grade, for high school, for college, and for adults. And some of those programs, for example, in our high school curriculum is called Principles and Choices. And it's um, a workbook series, very easy to implement for parents in a homeschool or for teachers in a, a parochial school setting. And it guides them through very slowly through Father's Four Levels of Happiness and how uh, the true search for happiness leads to a pro-life position. There's a second workbook on Father's Principles of Truth and Logic and how, you know, the desire for things to be logical and make sense leads directly to a pro-life position. And then we have a third workbook on ethics and justice and how the desire to be ethical and to be just lead to principles that directly walk you into the pro-life position. And, gosh, we have seen tremendous uh, transformations in high school kids. We move the needle from, like, you know, 49% of these kids being pro-life but wishy-washy in their pro-life beliefs to 80% of them being pro-life and being 100% committed to wanting to do something about their pro-life beliefs. So it's, it's been a, just a phenomenal program for helping teachers who are scared of the issue, don't know how to answer the questions, you know, don't know what to say, are afraid of rocking the boat, are scared of getting the emotions up. And, uh, and it really quells the emotions and helps students to think through and understand that this, this position is all about your happiness and all about your freedom. But let's define what those words mean. So, though, you know, those are textbooks and, and curricula materials that people can get on our website. Um, and a lot of intangible ones, too. So we, we produce videos. That's a big part of what we do. Oh, and wonderful. Put, post them online. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to Father, you said Father Spitzer's Four Levels of Happiness. How, do those, um, how are those different than Aristotle's Four Levels of Happiness? So he, that's a good question. He takes this curriculum directly from Aristotle, and he kind of baptizes it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that first level, that, that desire for the physical pleasure and mm-hmm. possessions, um, you know, that would be a, you know, kind of a sense of euphoria mm-hmm. that, you know, Aristotle would have identified this is all through the senses. 
And this is really where our culture is, very steeped <laughs> in the level one desire for yeah. what you can see, taste, touch, hear, and smell. And then, of course, level two is the ego gratification or the sense of self-esteem or, you know, your, your sense of self-identity. And, uh, you know, that's also very deep in our culture and our American independent spirit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then there's this level three that Aristotle discussed. He didn't put them, you know, kind of categorize this levels like Father Spitzer does. But he talks about the, the desire to, to go beyond yourself, you know, to participate in the common good, to do a good beyond yourself. And identified the five transcendentals of truth, love, justice, beauty, and a sense of, of being at home, or what he called the one unity. And, um, and of course, then Father Spitzer points directly to God and, you know, the, the Catholic faith, because you desire those things infinitely and you need God to fulfill that desire. And what we do in our pro-life work is we take us four levels of happiness and we show how the pro-abortion movement has defined happiness all in level one and two and is depriving you of level three and four. It's defined freedom all as level one and two. My choices, you know, me, me getting what I want at the moment that I want it, regardless of what it might do to my future or your future or the future of somebody else, like a, a preborn child. They've defined success in level one and two ways. You know, me getting the job, me getting a promotion, me being on the Olympic team, me, you know, not making my dad angry. You know, mm-hmm. it's all very, you know, success is very centered on the self and usually very tangible and material. And, uh, and quality of life, you know, when you look at the euthanasia issue or physician-assisted suicide, the whole argument on the pro-assisted suicide side is you will have a low quality of life if you are suffering in bed, debilitated, terminally ill, and it has robbed people of a level three, four perspective that, um, you know, that shows you that the, the world of compassion and faith, forgiveness, friendship, um, you know, family bonding, imparting of wisdom, you know, learning to be patient, that all comes uh, you know, from a, a higher level view of happiness, and it all points to physician-assisted suicide being mm-hmm. the worst answer to a person who is suffering. Mm-hmm. Just, it's, you know, Aristotle started it, and Father Spitzer baptized it, and we use it. There you go. And it's been very successful. Mm-hmm. You know, just a little bit more about um, what you just said um, <clears throat> regarding, you know, euthanasia and suffering and so on. Um, a priest said to me a number of years ago, the dignity of the human person comes from his or her ability to evoke love from others. And wow, yes. And, and that, I mean, that changes the whole game. It <laughs> does. And it, it gives and so much we, meaning to, the, to yes. the suffering. Yeah. And it's what we can do that animals cannot do. And right. it's why you look at, you, know, you can explain to children, why do we put horses down but not people? Because a horse can't do anything with his suffering. Mm-hmm. He just suffers. Mm-hmm. But you can. And it would be robbing that human being of their greatest gift to act like God. We can act like God acts by using our suffering for good and for love. And that really, it is the grounding of our dignity. Well, and and I'm telling you, people have a God-shaped hole in their heart. And mm-hmm. when they hear that, even very secular people, it moves their hearts. We mm-hmm. can't be afraid of telling them that. Right. And it allows other people to have the opportunity to serve. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. what we're all about. Yeah. That's what the pro-life movement is <laughs> mm-hmm. all about. Mm-hmm. Give women the opportunity to use their lives in service instead of saying you're just a physical thing and we've got to empty you out of this thing so that you can be used as a thing again. You know, it's all about women have, women are capable of being courageous. 
and noble and honorable and self-sacrificial. Okay, Camille, I'm going to break in right now. We're uh, we're talking to Camille Pauly uh, of uh, Healing the Culture, and uh, we have come up on a break right now, and so we'll have more to come on the other side of the break, so stay with us, and we'll be talking more about healing the culture and, uh, you know, the, how they approach their pro-life messaging. Okay, we're back with Jack and Doreen Canelli as your hosts. We're talking to Camille Polly, and we're in the second half of the uh, second half hour of today's installment of Real Presence Live. And uh, Camille is with the organization Healing the Culture, and uh, we've been talking about, uh, you know, their work and kind of their approach and one of the things that I had mentioned over the break we're visiting uh, with Camille is how it must be a, a really nice for, and I'm thinking particularly in terms of young people who are where we live in a culture where the message, the pro-life message is not exactly warmly received. And uh, it looks like healing the culture is giving them the kind of information and arguments that show that the pro-life position makes absolute sense. And it's yeah. really, it's really, you know, not that complicated. And again, yeah, it's not. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, we get a, we, we we actually evaluate kids before and after they go through our curriculum in their schools, and we get a lot of reviews from kids saying things like, "I had no idea why I was pro-life," or "I had no idea that's what the pro-life movement really believes," um, or we'll get comments where they'll say. Um, you know, why aren't we hearing this in on TV? <laughs> and I'm like, that's a good question. And here's the thing. A lot of people think, oh, you know, we don't have a chance to get our message out because it's the pro-aborts, it's the liberal side, it's the people on the atheist side who have access to the media, they have all the money, they have all the technology. And you know what? That's partly true, although we're getting pretty savvy and we have money too. We just sometimes don't put it in the right places. But, but you know, that is some, somewhat true that they have all that advantage. But we, what we've got on our side is that when you don't have access to all the media and technology because it's dominated by the other side, you start turning to one-on-one conversations, me talking to you. And it gets people's attention way more than all the technology because people aren't used to that. They're used to staring at screens. And when you're talking to somebody one-on-one and you're saying, you know what, I care about you, and I'm a real human being, and this is what I think happiness is, and I think you're on the wrong track. And, you know, then people are like, wait, what? You said you just cared about me? And that's what happens in these classrooms. They're talking to teachers in their classroom about happiness and freedom and not staring at a screen. And it's not just the students, but the teachers who come back to us and say, I had no idea for 30 years that this was why I was pro-life. You know, or this is something I've always kind of intuited but didn't know how to articulate. And so it's, it's a, just a phenomenal transformation of our pro-life evangelization that we can go straight to people's hearts, and you don't always need the technology, although we use that too. You know, we've got that too, but you can sometimes talk heart-to-heart and make far deeper transformations than what the media can do through television and technology. It certainly seems to elevate the discussion. You go, you know, when you're talking about happiness versus convenience or inconvenience. Yeah, it does. We have to remember as Christians what I said before. Everybody has a God-shaped hole. No human being is evil incarnate or monsters like we like to sometimes label our enemies. They all have God-shaped holes, and this message appeals to people deeply. They just need someone who has the courage to say it. And our whole goal is to give Christians the courage and the knowledge of what to say and how to say it. 
and uh, it, it, you know, it comes from your heart. We don't give you facts and statistics, and you remember this sentence, you know, and when they say this, you say that. What we do is we form you philosophically. You can direct the conversation where that person means needs it the most. Is he screwing up on his definition of happiness? Is he messed up in his definition of freedom? Is he confused about his definition of quality of life? Does he not understand the true dignity of who he is? And one of the favorite things that we say at Healing the Culture is people cannot, will not, see the, the image and likeness of God in an unborn child unless they see the image and likeness of God in themselves first. <laughs> so true. And you can, you can see in our culture people trying to fill that that god-shaped hole with many other things that are very destructive to who they are as you know images of god yeah that's true yeah people are very very confused not just on those terms but on things like contradictions you know oh it's a baby if you want it to be and it's not if Mm -hmm. you don't and young people who may agree with us on the four levels of happiness will look at that and say well that makes sense i mean if you don't want it to be then who am i to tell somebody that it is and so we, have, we go through this principle of non-contradiction, and we show them that, you know, something cannot be and not be at the same time, at the same place, in the same respect. Because if, if you hold to that position, then nothing is true, and everything right. is true. What right? is and true? And you, yeah, you can't even have a conversation with every, anybody, because mm-hmm. everything you say, the opposite is equally true at the same time and place. And we get into these exercises with kids where they begin to realize, I can't even, I'm like a vegetable, like Aristotle used to say. You know, all I can do is blink and stare at you, because... <laughs> Because contradictions just break down conversation, communication, society, civilization, law, you know, public policy. It breaks down everything. And these little kids as young as kindergarten get that. You know, they understand you can't have a contradiction. It either is a human person or it isn't. And it is incumbent on us, if we are level three, four people, to know the truth. Because we are called to serve other people. Right. Truth exists outside of us. And we we can... um, yeah, we can recognize truth or we can reject truth. Well, it seems to yeah. be, it seems like a lot of our political discourse, at least in a lot of the discussions as far as education of our young people are kind of uh, dealing with this whole thing as to, you know, what is actually truth and what's not. And, uh, uh, you know, I guess the question is, and, and, and maybe you, you you can tell us what the uh, healing the culture is doing for uh you know, helping our children form good morals. Yeah. Well, part of it, a big part of it, is being willing to go one-on-one. So we've, you know, we've got a whole bunch of curricula that, you know, I want your listeners to know about. Most of everything we do is free. Um, we love it when people go on our website and make a little donation to help out, but it's all free because we want you to use it. So we have a program called Philo and Sophie. Philo is a little puppet penguin, and Sophie is a mermaid puppet. And um, if you go to healingtheculture.org, you can get on that. You register with just your email address for free. And there are all these Sesame Street styles, very high television quality uh, videos, um, short videos that go through all of those, you know, different pro-life, you know, positions on freedom and happiness and love and what is success and quality of love at a kindergarten, first, second grade level. And then um, it, it sort of applies it to pro-life, to the unborn or the elderly or the terminally ill, without talking about abortion, because we don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. ruin their innocence in that way. And it's just fun. It has parent pieces and teacher applications to use in a school. Um, and then we have a program, like I said, for high school kids, principles and choices, 
which has some free pieces online, and then there's also a textbook you can purchase for a minimal cost. We wrote a play called Robert and Emma for people who love drama that integrates all of Father Spitzer's principles and four levels into a, a dramatic play with a love interest, and somebody dies, you know, and there's all this kind of drama going on. So that's, that's for people who love that sort of more emotional appeal. We have a program for college students called uh, Life Principles Academy. We will come for free to a university and train pro-life students in how to evangelize their peers using this curriculum. It's a crash course, five-hour course, where you get deep in the philosophy and then you practice with debate and conversation there at the, at the training. And then we have a program called Respect Life University at HealingTheCulture.org. And you, you log on to Respect Life University, and it has a ton of videos for uh, young adults and adults, some longer ones, some Father Spitzer teaching, some shorter five-minute animations that just break down all these concepts, make it real easy, and they answer questions like, what about rape and incest? What about life of the mother? You know, what about disabilities? You know, what about if, you know, the woman's autonomy? And we even have a video series there called Truth in 90 Seconds where we break it, all these issues down in 90 seconds. Because sometimes people won't listen to you for more than 90 seconds. Wow. So you just say, yeah, you just say, listen to this video for 90 seconds, and then we can talk about it. And then those 90 seconds on something like, you know, what about, you know, rape and incest, or, you know, life of the mother, or, you know, what about somebody's freedom of autonomy at the end of life? Uh, you know, or how can you force people to suffer at the end of life? And they listen to you for 90 seconds in an engaging video with animated graphics, motion graphics, and then they're intrigued. So there's just a ton of stuff, healingtheculture.org, that people can browse and find just what's right for you for the, you know, the age group and the, the target person you're trying to reach. Are there any capital letters in healingtheculture.org? Is it just... Um, oh, it doesn't matter. Either oh, way, matter. you can okay. do capital or lowercase. I'm kind of curious, when you uh, have you met any pushback when you've shown up at a, like at a, at a university, particularly a secular oh. one? Oh, sure. Um, we, uh, we've done, I've debated uh, a Planned Parenthood doctor uh, at University of California at Berkeley, and I, there were 700 kids at this debate. 99.9% of them were pro-choice, very loud. But when I had my 45 minutes to give my position, they were dead quiet because they'd never heard the position presented in this way before. Mm-hmm. And they're all taking notes. And then during the hour-long Q&A, it just piled out the door with people asking questions. And, you know, they were very vociferous. They were loud and boisterous and noisy during the, during the Q&A. But afterwards, I had about 40 people gathered around me to continue the dialogue, and they were almost all guys, which was interesting. Because the men are the most, you know, men in that age group are the most pro-abortion segment of society. And they, they loved the logic that I had. And they wanted to see, well, how do you apply that to overpopulation? You know, well, what about in third world countries? Well, what about if the girl is only 12 years old? You know, they wanted to see, am I going to be consistent in my application of these principles? And it was phenomenal. So, yeah, we get pushback, but we, you also get intrigue. You, there are some people you'll never reach. Yes. Uh, God needs to reach them in another way. Okay, right. well, yeah. our, our break is coming up, and it's a hard break, and so we're half, we're, we have to say goodbye, and thank you for being with us, Camille. This has been a, a, a great discussion, and we certainly wish all the best to oh, healing the you. culture and your, the good work that it's doing. And you too. God bless you all. Thank you. God bless you too. Okay, for our listeners, thank you for being with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come after the break, and we will be talking to Gil Bali 
about a book called The Apocalypse of the Sovereign Self. So the title should intrigue you enough to hang in there. So we'll see you on the other side of the break. So more Real Presence Live to come. <music> 